guys, welcome back to Conversations with Moon Body Soul. Today I am talking with Courtney Rivers. You may know her on Instagram at in the tall tall grass. She is somebody that totally inspires me by her lifestyle and her parenting. She lives off grid in Northern California, just a few hours north of me. Um, on a farm, and she also has a ranch and a cannabis farm. And I was trying to think of how I first came across your page, and I actually think my friend Meg, Sister Nettle, sent me your page and asked if I already followed you because she thought we had a lot in common or she thought I would just really enjoy what you share of your life, and she's totally right. I really love everything that you share. I'm so connected. You are somebody that inspires me. Um... I aspire to be a mom, and so finding people who are living kind of a different lifestyle, closer to nature, and more in reciprocity with the land, it just totally like blows my mind because that's something I definitely want to do. And I know social media is just a tiny fraction of what life is really like, so I'm so excited to talk to you one-on-one and get to know you a little bit better. So welcome, Courtney. Yay, thank you. That was very sweet, and I love Meg. So if that's how we became connected, that's pretty magical. Yeah, she's great. And she was totally right. Like, I am totally obsessed with everything that you share. This concept of people being expanders for other people. I don't know if you've heard of that, but like seeing somebody living a life that you really aspire to live, you are totally an expander for me. Oh, what an honor. Thank you. So before we dive in, I would just like to ask, like, the way that you live now, is that also how you were raised? Like, did you always live off grid or when did you begin this journey? No, um, I grew up in Southern California um, in Costa Mesa, for anyone that is familiar with Southern California. But um, yeah, I grew up riding my bike to the beach and surfing. Um, I lived in a like super suburban neighborhood went to public school, you know, did the whole city thing. But um, I got invited to come north to trim weed when I was in college from a friend. And um, I trimmed on my now husband's farm. And that's how we met. Um, So that was like my first taste of off the grid mountain life is when I would come up to NorCal in my early 20s to trim on his pot farm. So um, yeah, definitely did not grow up like how I'm raising my kids now. And I'm definitely living through them every day. That's amazing. I love that. Uh, Cannabis is also what brought me more north to Northern California. And I mean, just this entire area is love at first sight, like Mendocino, Humboldt, all the redwoods. It's amazing. So did you, when you arrived, were you just like, I love it here? Yeah, I felt like... um, I'll just never forget that feeling like the first time I went through Willits and Laytonville, which is where I live and up into the mountains. And I remember I actually went and got a tattoo with my girlfriend who I was with. I got this little arrow on my um, wrist. I suppose at the time it was just like a reminder pointing north because I just knew in my heart that's where I wanted to be. I just felt so at home and so at peace. So it took a while. It took me like three years to make the official move up. But yeah, I will never forget that feeling of the first time I ever came up to Northern California. Did you and your husband immediately start dating or how did that look? No, uh, I was young. I think I was, let me think, I was 22 or 23 and he's 10 years older than I am. So um, he had his thing going and I was just kind of this like trimmer girl that would just come up for the season and then go back home and travel. And um, it took, I would say, at least three or four seasons of me coming up and us hanging out to officially start kind of chatting towards the end of that like fourth year. Um, And I remember when we got our spot that we live in now, because I was with him the day that he went to look at it. I just remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to live here. I think I'm going to marry this guy. Like, this is it. We're doing this. I just had this, you know, deeper knowing of that was my path. And um, yeah, so it was a little bit of a journey, but it was fun. We weren't taking anything too seriously and just letting it all unfold naturally. And did you guys always want kids? Did you want kids or was that a decision that you made together or how did that unfold? 
Um, no, I honestly like never had a connection with kids. I was never a babysitter. I was like the weird, awkward aunt at parties. I'd be like, Hey, how's the weather? You know, I like just didn't know how to like talk to kids. I had never changed a diaper. Um, Al, my husband, he comes from a bigger family. So he was, um, he's great around kids. Like he knows what to do. He just has that natural father instinct or always had. And, um, I remember I was, we were only together for like officially eight months, me on the mountain. Um, and we live very rurally. So it, it was a big shock for sure to move up there full time. And, um, I got pregnant with Billy eight months in and definitely my first thought was like, I do not want this child. Like I'm too young. I've, I don't I've never even met Al's family. Um, we've only been together for eight months. And I remember like going down to the clinic to get the official test and on the drive home. Cause I was, I was going to get an abortion. Like I wasn't ready. And, but then I remember on the drive home, I just had this overwhelming, like body chills. And I just had this like download that I needed to keep this baby. And this was, um, what I needed to do. And then I remember Al's response really was the one that solidified it. And he was like, I just told him like, I don't really know what I want to do. And he's like, well, it's your body. You can do whatever you want, but I'm ready. And I was like, okay. And I was like, all right, well, well, let's do this. And then we had little Billy Rose. So. Wow. I have full body chills. Yeah. (laughs) Super powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Totally. I can't, I can't imagine. I've never had that happen to me, so I cannot imagine how that would feel, but that's really, that's really um, powerful to hear you share that. So after you had Billy, what was that initiation like into becoming a mother? Well, so yeah, I mentioned that we live pretty rurally up in the mountains in Mendocino. And um, I didn't know anybody. I look back on that time and we didn't even have internet. We didn't even have a, we didn't have an indoor toilet. We had an outhouse. And um, I just remember feeling pretty alone and really just like, I have no idea what to do right now. And, um, when it came to just the ins and outs of being a mother. So I felt like it was just a lot of like natural instinct. And, um, I think it was a blessing not having internet and being so far removed because it really forced me to tap into my intuition and just make decisions on, um, what my heart felt was right. And, you know, I think I, I, that's when I really started getting into gardening and learning how to like co-parent with the earth and being outside a lot with her. And, um, you know, as the months and the years went by, like I started meeting more moms, I really started tapping into my skill set. So everything got a lot easier, but definitely in the beginning, I was just kind of like, called it the, um, the tea, like the China teacup years where it's like, you're holding this fragile teacup and you don't, you don't want to slish or slosh it too hard because it might break or it was just like this fragile little time of this dance of keeping the tea in the delicate teacup. And then finally you just kind of learn how to like walk with balance and make decisions. And you're like, okay, I got this, you know, it's not that delicate. I can do this. I've never heard of it that way. I really like that analogy. Yeah. Wow, I have so many questions. I want to start too with, um, so now you have three kids, but I really would love if you feel comfortable talking about your births. Like, did you do home birth? Did you do a birthing center? I am fascinated about births. I think there are pluses and minuses to all of them, but being very rural myself and maybe even moving more rural, I really mm-hmm. would love to know what that looked like. Yeah, I feel like with Billy, I a lot of the moms in my area had done home births, but I was okay. I was 26 when I had Billy, so and then like I said, I had it was only on the mountain for eight months, so I was so freshly out of the city that home birth, midwives, birthing tubs, all that was just like a foreign language to me. So as much as I romanticized the thought of having a home birth, I was like, you know what, I I'm just gonna do it in town, and I found this really amazing birthing center. Um, an hour and a half away from us. And it's um, a water birthing center. The midwives are super holistic. And I felt very taken care of down there. And my birth with Billy ended up being like this really magical experience where we had roses in the bathtub. And um, she was born super early in the morning. And I remember there was a crazy snowstorm actually at our house. So we were in town and it was a good thing we were down there. Else, I wouldn't even have been able to make it to town. But um 
yeah, so Billy's birth was very blissful. And um, four Maybell and Billy are four years apart. So with Maybell, when I was pregnant with her, I, I had forgotten the birth experience. And I didn't, it was weird. It was like I was going through it all over again. I had no idea what to expect. And um, which was, it was so care, I, with her birth, it was like kind of like this carefree, fun thing. And I was getting, I decided to get, go with mid, the midwives again down at Bloom. That's the name of the birthing center. Just because, I don't know, they took care of me so well the first time. So um, with Maybelle's birth, it was, I was getting a, she was 10 days early, 12 days early. And um, I had scheduled a massage at the birthing center. And I remember the night before, Billy, Al, and I all woke up and we were all met in the bathroom. And we're like, oh gosh, we have like pains in our stomach. So I just took it as we all had weird food poisoning or something. I don't know, some like food upset stomach thing. But fast forward to that morning and Al's dropping me off at my massage. And I was like, gosh, I don't know if these are, if I'm in labor, I don't know what's going on. So I, I told my midwife, I'm like, I might be in labor. I don't know. And she was like, well, just call me after the massage. So I get on the massage table and I told them, my friend who was giving it to me, I was like, girl, I might be having labor pains. I don't even know. She's like, you're totally in labor. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, it's just the massage. And then, so um, I didn't even get halfway through and I was like, holy shit, I have to poop so bad and I can't move. And my girlfriend, Quincy was like, you are like, you're going to have a baby. I was like, no, I'm not. And then, so like, she gets me off the table. I get into the bathroom and in 10 minutes, Mabel is born. And wow. I, but even up until like the last few minutes, I was like, I, I have to poop you guys. Like, this is crazy. They're like, no, you are crowning. I was like, what? Like, this is insane. So her birth was hilarious and really fast and um, amazing. And then with Trip, I decided to go with the midwives again, because I just love the idea of having the same midwife for all my births, even though it's an hour and a half away. And, um, his was a bit more extended because I felt like him and Maybell are only 18 months apart. So I felt like her birth was so fresh in my mind and it was almost like messing with me. Like I knew the pain that was about to come. I knew the process that was about to come. So it almost like lingered his birth a little bit. And he, it kind of took a couple days for me to get him out. Like it wasn't a, um, it wasn't stressful or it wasn't painful. It was just like a few days of me softening and surrendering. And then he was born in like 30 minutes in the tub also. But um, yeah, all three very different experiences, but all with the same midwife at the same birthing center. And then Billy and Tripp were the only two born in the tub. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I'm just yeah. fascinated by yeah. birth and that almost portal that you go into I think it's amazing that you the body or the mind like forgets like we know that from I remember that from biology like you forget the pain of birth so that you'll have more kids even if it's not pain whatever it's crazy that you forgot yeah <laughs> between those four years and how each one was so different and I mean starting with a massage like that had to be nice. Did you actually get the massage? Oh, yeah, I did. I was like really oh, adamant. I'm like, I need to go through with this massage. And it was really funny because I had a girlfriend who was like, you just have babies and take bubble baths and get a massage. And then you just have your babies. I'm like, yeah, I want to feel good. And then like, you know, have these kids. That's the exact thing I want for me. I'm, I need a massage now. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend getting a massage while you're in labor. It works really well. So I've heard that you, uh, you've mentioned the words co-parenting with nature. What does that look like? Yeah, it's just like outside, you know, we're, um, eat our breakfast. Sometimes my kids like to have a little quiet time in the morning. And then it's just like, we are outside, we are in the garden and, or we're down at the ranch, walking with our dogs on the road at the end of the night. But it's just like, if I'm feeling overwhelmed or if I don't know what to do in the moment, I just take them outside and put some water in the dirt and we're like, okay, it's mud, make, make mud pies or make mud villages or something. You know, it's like, I let the elements, I let nature come in and help me in the places when I'm feeling overwhelmed or uninspired. And I just let 
Mother Earth do her thing and she always provides and it's awesome. I feel like that is a way to really harness their creativity too, because I feel like growing up, we didn't have internet, obviously, but there were TVs and stuff. But when I would be visiting, my parents were separated, I would be with my dad. We didn't, we didn't watch TV. We had to entertain ourselves. We had to like go into the backyard or go into the kitchen and make something like it was, we were creating things for ourselves. And I really attribute that to my creativity today. So that has to really help them um, come up with their own ideas. And I know I've seen, I think Billy uh, creates jewelry. I don't remember. Yeah. Billy loves jewelry. She loves to bead and make necklaces and bracelets. That's so cool. What other type of stuff do you guys like make or do? Like what activities? Um, well, we just started, this is our second year of homeschool. So, um, I try, I'm going to try to be a lot more organized with our rhythm this year, but I try to do some sort of project at least once a week. And, um, yeah, we've kind of tested out a lot of things at this point using clay. Um, Billy loves to, we've started spinning with a wheel with yarn. Um, she loves to bead. We've gotten into the natural dyes, um, baking. Yeah, kind of a little bit of everything, really. I would enjoy all of that. Yeah. So do you do you homeschool out of necessity or because you want to? Both. Definitely both. both. Yeah, I really we do a Waldorf based charter school and I've always loved the Waldorf and Montessori methods, but we're an hour and a half away from all those schools. So yeah, definitely necessity. I don't want to be driving. We get crazy weather. And then the want as well, you know, with a lot of things going on in the world and just wanting to keep them at home. So yeah, so far, Billy loves it. Maybelle joins in. Trips kind of join in now and it's fun. That is amazing. I feel like, uh, did, did you ever, I know you said you didn't think you wanted kids, so you never really saw your life like this unfolding in this way. No way. I was like, no, my kids are going to school. I need a break. You know, like, um, I never thought I'd have three. I was totally fine with one. Um, and then the other two came, I'm like, Oh, this is great. Yeah. It's definitely every year a little bit more peels back, a little bit more peels back. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool life. Thanks. I love it. And I see like from what you share on Instagram, it seems like you do have quite a bit of a community now, whether that's going to Spirit Weavers, which I've always wanted to attend every year. I'm like, I'm going this year and then I don't do it. Same with the Herbal Symposium. Uh Um, I like, how do you foster that community? Are those events really important for that? Or how have you fostered community in other ways? Yeah, I would definitely say um, I, the first year I went to Spirit Weavers and Symposium, it was the year before I got pregnant with Billy. And I just remember it impacting me so much in so many different ways that I just made this promise that I'll never miss a year. And so all three of my kids have been in all like in the belly outside the belly um and billy's basically grown up at symposium and spirit weavers and um yeah the the people i have in my life my most like cherished friends and community and women are literally from both those gatherings so it's just so special to have that network and to make i told my husband i was like you know from because symposiums at the beginning of May. And I was like, okay, so every single year for the rest of my life, from May until June, I will be here. And he's like, okay. He like knows, he's really supportive and he's so sweet and he knows how much it means to us. So he definitely makes it work. That's so special to carve out that time and, and make a commitment to it because honestly, like once a year, like that comes really, really fast. It does. It totally does. (laughs) It's kind of wild how fast now that I'm living somewhere where there are seasons. I lived in LA for almost 10 years before moving up here. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Bentley and I were just talking about this two nights ago. Like we finally feel into the seasons and like feel that like, oh, I can't wait for fall. Like I've had enough summer. Like we've had these moments where we, I don't know, the seasons make life like really 
I don't know. It just like is a great time for life when in LA, I was like, every day was almost the same. I didn't really have a marker. All of a sudden, five years went by. It's exhausting. I think back to when I was growing up in LA or um, Southern California. And I was I was a surf instructor. And I was just surfing every single day. I was in the sun every single day. And yeah, I just look back at how tired I was. And now being up here and living with the seasons, it just makes so much sense. You know, we go into winter, it's a time for rest and reflection. And you just sit there by the fire and you work with handicrafts and build up all that momentum for spring and summer. It just makes so much more sense. So yeah, living by the seasons is definitely, um, I suppose it's like almost reclaiming a part of your soul that's been lost to live that way because it's such an ancient way of living. It's how we've always done it. That's such a beautiful way to put it. And then the summertime, yeah, is this time to gather and be in community. And so Spirit Weavers, if people don't know, I feel like I should tell them it's a women's mm-hmm. gathering up in Oregon um, on a beautiful property called Cedar Bloom. Is yep. that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there twice, not to Spirit Weavers, but like the weeks oh, before nice. or the weeks after. And I I mean, it's such a gorgeous place. Mm-hmm. Like the land itself, everything about it is beautiful. And she's built such an amazing like location for that gathering to be held. So I can't imagine what it's like when so many women are there uh, gathered together. What are your favorite parts of attending? Like what keeps you going back? Honestly, at this point, like I haven't really been able to take classes or participate in the gathering in that way for a really long time because of kids. Um, So my favorite, honestly, I just walk around and I hang out and I just hang out with all my friends that I've met and connected with at this point. And just being there and going to the river um, really is what fills my cup. And then the other gathering, so the Northern California Women's Herbal Symposium, that's a lot. But that is in Laytonville, and that's been going on for um, f- like 40 years or something. It's it's a it's another women's herbal gathering, and that's at the Hog Farm, which is like this um, wavy gravies. It was a commune back in the 60s. Wavy gravy was the rodeo clown for the Grateful Dead. So it's already like this pretty magical piece of land, and that gathering keeps me going back for the same reasons as well you know, just hanging out with everyone that I know, being on that land. Um, Sometimes I can pop in and out of classes, but just being there with incredible women is a force for sure. Mm, I I mean, I say this every year, I'm gonna go next year, but really, (laughs) I'm gonna go next year to either of those. Uh Um, I need to just plan it out. I've held a few like day retreats and retreats here where women have come to me, which has been really nice. But mm-hmm. I think getting to go and being in the community and not being the one leading it would be so powerful. Oh, totally. Yeah. So I would really love to know, I think I saw you share on Instagram, like a meal plan for the entire month. Like how, <laughs> how do you uh, plan or prep or feed and nourish your family? Yeah, this is a new thing because I feel like up until now, every night I'm like, what the fuck do I make for dinner? What the fuck do people make for dinner every night? And I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've been really good about shopping like because we're so far away. So I do all our big bulk stuff once a month. I do one big town run a month for all the food um, or like the dry goods and things. But then I'm like, what do I do with all this? Like, how do I make it? What do I do? So a girlfriend had suggested making a menu for just dinner for the whole month. And so I'm like, you know, I'll just try it out. And it's been amazing. I just sat down with Billy on at the end of July. I'm like, all right, let's make our menu for August. And we just wrote down all our favorite meals. And it's been amazing because I feel like lunch is really easy now because we have leftovers. Sometimes if we don't eat all that dinner, it's dinner the next night. Um, So... Yeah, the food thing, I've been always kind of like, whatever, let's just eat what we're feeling. But now with three kids, it's kind of, I really have to be on it and I'm a lot more organized. And so I really love the menu planning. That's kind of the extent of what I do for meal prep. Like I don't make the food the night before anything. It's just the menu for the whole month. I make it the beginning of the month. 
Um, and then, like I said, I go to town and do our big dry good run. And then we've just really been trying to work on our food goals every year and check things off the grocery list and either grow or raise what we want to eat. So that feels pretty amazing to check that off the list. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested in that. I'm so fascinated. I've started my first garden this year, mainly a dye garden. I'm mm-hmm. dying with plants, but I just added tomatoes and uh, then I help our friend who's also on the property, Robert. I'm kind of living on a little commune. Cool. <laughs> um, I help him grow his garden and when he leaves for little trips, I take care of it like squash and zucchini and cucumbers and all the things but I'm very much just learning and I think it's really amazing that you you guys are doing so much like it is really reciprocity with the land and I usually stray away I have not talked about food on this podcast because I know people have really strong opinions about food and you know they get their ideologies involved and it becomes a moral thing as well but I would love to dive into food like what does nourishment look like for you and your body and has it always looked this way how has it changed yeah I agree with you I I typically don't really talk about food either because I feel like it's a very sensitive subject and I'm always an advocate for whatever makes you feel happy and healthy, you do you. Um, but yeah, when it comes to me personally, um, I was a vegetarian. My husband and I were vegetarians for a very long time, but it wasn't until I got pregnant that I just had this deep craving for meat, and I, I couldn't ignore it. And so, I, I mean, I always bought local. I didn't really eat that much of it. Um, my husband only started eating meat when we bought the ranch. So, which was maybe like a year. No, this is year two of us going into it. Um, yeah, so we, yeah, this is year two of us going into the ranch. And um, we, we've been doing chickens, meat birds. We have turkeys. We have pigs. We just got sheep. Um, we have egg laying hens and, um, yeah, I just was thinking about food the other day and how I never really used to be a foodie, but now all of a sudden I've just realized how much it really matters to my body to eat just really grounded, nourishing foods. And it feels a lot different when you're, you know, growing it and raising it yourself. So, um, yeah, I not all of us in the family, like Billy, she has to kind of be in the mood for me as well as my husband, but Mabel will put down chicken wing in two seconds, you know, so yeah, I kind of cook with everyone's stomachs in mind, but I definitely, we just eat a lot of whole foods that we try to grow or raise ourselves now. Yeah, I am completely on the same page. I think everyone's body is different and they should do what feels best in their body. And I've been at a journey of like, well, what feels really good in my body? And I've talked about it on my podcast before. I have Hashimoto's. I have health issues. I get blood work done quite a bit just to see how my markers are. And when we first moved up here um, to Northern California, I, well, you would probably call yourself North. I'm maybe more central, but um, I got some blood work done and my levels were so bad that I, my doctor was asking me like, do you feel like you're nourishing yourself? Like, how do you eat? And I'm like, well, I feel like I eat like pretty well. I try to eat clean. And it wasn't until like I really started inviting because they wanted to put me on medication I'll just go off on a tangent and I do Uh not want to go on medication so I'm like how can I kind of nourish myself a little bit different so I started eating um, more whole foods more like nutrient-rich foods I started uh, drinking raw milk which uh, my husband thinks is crazy still even though I've been doing it for quite a while now um, like a year and a half and all of my levels improved dramatically, dramatically. Yeah. Um, so for my body personally, like I even have these markers. It's not just like how I feel inside. That feels really good to me. But I love that you guys are literally like hands on everything in the earth with your animals. Like that is amazing to me. That is so aspirational. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a really cool journey for sure. And um always wanted it. I've always called, wanted to call this in. So it feels 
pretty satisfying to be on this path. I would not say I'm rural. There's a a, a store in town that I can go buy stuff yeah. at every night, but I'm still rural enough that there's like not restaurants everywhere. I do have uh-huh. to cook quite a bit. So totally inspired by your meal planning for the entire month. I would love to try that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't have any restaurants. We have like maybe a couple in town, but we never go because it towns 35. I drive pretty slow, so I would say 45 minutes for me. But um, yeah, we're actually at the beach right now visiting with my in-laws. So we've definitely been out to eat a lot. <laughs> and we're like, wow, this is fun. But it's also yeah, chaotic nice with break. kids. So Yeah. I bet. So what is a tip? I know you say you live with the season, so I'm sure every season is different. But what does like this season look like right now, a typical day when you're at home with your kids? Well, right now, let's see the end of summer. Wake up, eat some breakfast, feed all the animals. Um, We don't have any meat birds right now, so we don't have to take care of that. But, um, you know, our cannabis plants, we're getting towards the end of it. So um it's just kind of compost teas trellising big leafing things like that um the animals we gotta we kind of have to start putting our rain brains on and thinking about the winter time so we're kind of starting to move and shift some structures around and start thinking about them let's see chopping wood wood's a big one because we're off the grid So we've been doing a lot of that. Just a lot of winter prep is like kind of the big thing right now um, for us, which is what we're kind of transitioning into. And then the harvest. So kind of getting, you know, dry rooms ready and things like that. And then we're we're in going into homeschool. So I have to, like I said, I'm going to be a lot more organized this year with how we do it. And I I think I'm going to do the kind of like the same thing as the meal plan and just make like a calendar for what each day looks like and then follow it not too tightly not too loosely just somewhere kind of in the middle and yeah that's kind of what right now looks like for us day to day just outside a lot awesome Mm -hmm. Uh, I would love to talk about your guys's cannabis uh, farm that is actually why we moved well besides me being really wanting to get out of LA we were doing some work up in Humboldt and we kind of decided to live kind of in the middle of LA and Humboldt just with my husband's work but now we're not working up in Humboldt anymore but we do have six plants of our own and it is so fun watching them grow but what is your cannabis company called if people can support you and what is it like like how many plants do you have uh what is the workload like so we are one of those small farms you know just struggling to hang on and we're going through the permitting process and we're nearly there we have a state license um the county's lagging as counties do for our county license um but we are tall grass ranch and um we have a really amazing friend who is a distributor so she's kind of already lining us up to get into stores um, I don't really see us being on shelves maybe until mid-winter, maybe early spring, because it's just going to take a while for all those special details to iron out. But um, yeah, it's been real, you know, kind of going through the permitting process and really stressful, really. Um, some days we're like, oh, should we even be fucking doing this anymore? Like, what are we even doing? just because they're making it really hard for family farms to, you know, survive and be successful in this bigger industry now. But um, we have a very small garden. We have a cottage permit. So we just grow very simply. We grow what we need, what we can survive on. We're full term outdoor. We don't do any debt. We're just outdoor plants. Um, We really believe in regenerative farming so we do a lot of compost teas a lot of bakashi we make our own um ferments things like that we don't use fertilizers or anything like that um we try to grow companion plants everywhere but yeah it's been al's been doing it way longer than me he's been growing for nearly 20 years Um, I kind of married into it. Like I said in the beginning, I was just a trimmer. And then I came into the whole bigger picture of it. So he's the real scientist and the alchemist. And I'm kind of just there to do all the little in-between jobs that 
make these things run. But um, yeah, we're, I mean, we're excited to be on this other side of the journey with our weed being more available to everyone. So a lot of people probably don't know what's happening in California uh, in the cannabis industry. I'm also adjacent to it with my husband being so in it. But he was uh, partnering with a man up in Humboldt, Doc. He's amazing. He's been growing for 50 years plus. Um, And they were trying to work with all the small farms and kind of band together in order to compete with the ridiculous uh, giants in the industry that have just driven the price completely down. And I mean, as hard as they tried to make that work, it I mean, the market just went down even further. There was no way the whole point was to pay farmers what they're worth and and to pay them what the flowers worth. And the flower went down so far that it just couldn't even be sustainable. Super duper sad. Um, so I love what you guys are doing. I'm so happy that you're sticking it out. And if I ever see your brand on the shelves, I will totally be a supporter. Even uh, with us growing you. our own here. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. So our ranch partners were actually um, in partnership with this amazing family down the road. And they are, they've been a legal farm for a while now. They're one of the first ones and they're huge advocates and voices for the small farmer. And it's, it, it's really fucked up, like what they're trying to do to us. And they really are trying to push us out. So basically, we all have kind of have to just align and hold on tight to one another to survive and like, present good quality cannabis on the shelves. Because a lot of yeah, a lot of people don't know what's going on. And they see the shiny romantic side of all of it. But there's some like nitty gritty shit that's going down. And the stuff that's on the shelves really isn't that good from like the big, huge farms. And it's really these small regenerative family farms that are producing the medicine. And that's the hard part is like, I feel that we're, we're, we're so far away from the root of what this is all about. It's like, this is medicine. It needs to be used as such. It needs to be grown with intention or else you're not going to get what you need out of it. And so there's like these huge, huge, operations down in like the Central Valley and us elsewhere and they're just like massively producing and they're just trying to get that profit right they're just trying to get that overturn and the weed's crap I don't even know if like is it even weed I don't even know what it is and um yeah so it's it it gets really disheartening but then there's it gets really um inspiring when all these farmers are coming together and it's yeah, just re-inspiring us to do what we're doing and why we do it. So yeah, I am always, even if I sew a dress and I see someone else sew a dress, I'm going to buy their dress because if we're all succeeding or if I'm succeeding, we're all succeeding. If they're succeeding, we're doing, we're all going to do it together. So yeah, Al and I love buying from other farms all the time. Even we grow our own weed, we love to try out other jars also. Yeah. Yeah, that is a great sentiment to have. And I think that you're, it's, it is a medicine and there is a spirit in these plants. And there is such a difference between a plant that was grown in a massive like airplane hangar that all they cared about was the numbers and the money mm-hmm. versus a plant that was in the earth with companion plants getting loved and cared for by human hands. It is such a difference. So Bentley started as a cannabis photographer and his clients at first were mainly the big farms because that's who could pay him. And I was his assistant at every shoot going into every single farm. So I've seen these corporate grows. And then when we transition to like, how do we help the small farmer? Like we need to be, this is ridiculous. Like we were like, we wouldn't even smoke this. We wouldn't want to be a part of it. We switched to completely focusing on the small farmer. My job was interviewing each small farm and talking to them and wow, the difference, the care, the love that goes into it. It is a totally different plant. You're right. I don't even think the other one should be called cannabis. Right? Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. There's such a big difference. And I mean, it sucks because there is a cost of living and there's a cost to producing and sharing the medicine. And it sucks when the the farms can't keep up. But yeah, it is a medicine. There's a spirit behind it. It's It needs to be treated with a reverence that I don't think it's being treated with mm-hmm. right now. And most people just 
don't know. So I'm happy we were able to talk about this and dive in. Yeah, that's um, the thing. It's just most sharing. people just don't know. You know, you you do what you can until you can learn to do better. So it's never, it never upsets me. I'm just like, all right, cool. Let's have a chat. Let's talk about what this is all about. So are you also a supporter of psychedelics then as well? Oh, yeah. I feel like all my kids were like conceived on psychedelics. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, I am fascinated by psychedelics. It hasn't been since the last, uh, I don't know, five to seven years that I've really dove deep into psychedelics and mainly mushrooms are my uh, preferred choice, but I just think they're super powerful. I don't know if you have any experience or insights that you'd like to share, but I always love talking with people about psychedelics. Yeah, I love mushrooms. I mean, my choice is some LSD. Like, I love it. But yeah, I mean, like, obviously, before kids, I would like go down the rabbit hole, and we were going on spirit journeys. But now with kids, I'm all about the microdose. Um, just intentionally biting a little, taking a little off of a mushroom cap when I when I want it, you know, or just a little microdose of LSD. I definitely started microdosing with LSD when Mabel was three months old I think and that was some radical postpartum care for sure you know um but it's just like back to cannabis it's truly medicine you know I use it only to enhance my life never to like dole out anything or if I'm feeling kind of mucky you know, I use it to address what the muck is and then see these different perspectives of how I can evolve. But I think, I mean, I love psychedelics. They're there for a reason, for sure. That's a beautiful way to put it. It is such a medicine. And just to shake the muck off, that's exactly how I've been using it, especially this past year, the last journey that I went on, Bentley and I. So mushrooms are, um, psychedelics are decriminalized here in Santa Cruz County yay um and I really enjoy growing them that's like such an amazing process I, uh -huh. I really enjoy it and we had this big harvest and we did a journey last year last early August and it was so intense like we got the message that I'm like okay I don't even need to touch it I haven't even wanted to for an entire year besides yeah. like tiny microdoses to get the muck off and I think there's such a I don't know, people, again, just don't know. And there's these preconceived notions about what it's actually like and, and them being like gateways or like harder or like, I don't know. I don't even, yeah, they're not drugs, they're medicine. Um, and they definitely open your eyes. I feel like it's pretty taboo also with like moms. Like you feel like you can't do mm -hmm. anything when you're a mom. I mean, I remember like, <laughs> I remember like with Billy, I was I Googled what was this like seven years six years ago seven years ago when she was a baby I googled like can I do mushrooms and breastfeed <laughs> like and then my, I was like you just googled that I'm like well I don't know who else to ask but and then you know what? I was like you know what my heart's telling me I can so f the internet and I'm just gonna do it and I going back to like the food thing too it's like whatever makes you feel happy and when it comes to psychedelics like if it makes you feel happy and it's a safe thing then just do it like it's like the it's like one of the greatest ways to cure mental illness also you know because it's just clean and um I think if someone's saying like it's a gateway to other things then maybe you're just not doing the right amount or the right thing for your body like like mushrooms or the right psychedelic to address the inner turmoil because if you're not addressing that, then yeah, it could be a gateway to heavier stuff because it's like you're not like confronting the root of why you're doing this thing in the first place. Or, you know, you could work, I mean, they have like clinics now, like amazing clinics I think you can go to. And you have like a therapist or a nurse that helps dose it out for you. So you could really address, you know, your inner, inner turmoils. So, um, I think it's a great resource. It's from the earth. Once again, you know, mushrooms and it's medicine. It's really beautiful medicine. That's a really good point. And I do think that your own inner, inner intuition is super powerful and you're not going to be able to find 
the science or anything on Google because they literally haven't studied it. Like they're not anyone studying it. I do think that those studies are going to come out and we are going to see like how this medicine can be used when you are pregnant or nursing or in some capacity and how it is safe, but there just is no information. Like I I can't wait till there is information. Um, And I think there will be, I think there will be soon. And you're right. I think getting to the deeper root, some people like myself, like I have a really strong spiritual practice and connection to myself that I feel comfortable going into these medicines by myself or with loved ones. Um, but if you don't or you're interested in it, you're right. There are places that you can go where you're in a more, um, I don't know, secure setting or where you have people around you to help you. Um, so it's just to each their own. But yeah, I love a good psychedelic chat. So thanks for yeah, sharing no, with totally. me. I mean, I get asked that question a lot on Instagram from moms. You know, they're just like, hey, I'm six months postpartum like I used to smoke weed every day like can I smoke it now or with the mushroom thing and I was just like you know what first of all I I'm not a doctor but like if if you feel like in your heart and soul that you need a little bit of this medicine to be a better mother then do it you know and just do it in the privacy of your home and don't tell anybody just So, yeah, I think that um, I hope there's more information for the sake of like people that really want to take this medicine, but they're weary of it because of like preconceived projections of that it's not okay or it's bad. Um, So, yeah, I hope there's more resources out there in the future for people that really want to dive into it. For sure. And I think there will be. Um, okay, so another question that I really want to ask you, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I've seen you post on Instagram that you work with dreams um, and you like kind of dissect dreams. Like, have you always done that or what does that what does that look like? Like, how have you gotten into dream work? Yeah, it's so cool. Um, I have always been a really intense dreamer, but I've just never understood what that meant and um I think I would have to say I have a really good friend who's a medium and clairvoyant and I've chatted with her a lot over the last years and I think chatting with her she really started to like tap into these cyclic abilities that have always been there but I just didn't know really what to do with them and yeah so I've always kept a dream journal like I had my first dream journal since I was 10 And this winter, I remember seeing this bobcat just in plain view. And I was like, okay, what is this? And I looked it up. And um, because I don't see a lot of bobcats. So whenever I see anything out where we live, that's not like I see deers all the time. I see hawks. But if I see anything else, I'm like, okay, like this animal is trying to speak to me. So I looked it up and the bobcat has everything to do with like the mystic realm, dreams, psychic abilities. And then shortly thereafter, I had this dream of a doctor telling me to take, um, oh gosh, what was the plant? It's slipping me now with this certain plant. And so I looked up the essence of this plant because it's normally poisonous. And I, oh, it was, a, it was a bulb. It was a local bulb to my area. I forget the name of it. But anyway, the essence of it has everything to do with tapping into your dreams. So this all happened within the same few months. And I was like, okay, I'm taking this as a sign that I need to start doing some dream interpretations or offering this to friends. And I just got this ping to like talk about it on Insta and it was, the response was overwhelming. I'm like, okay, this is rad. Um, But yeah. um, So since then I've just, I've done a lot of dream interpretation work for friends and I'm just constantly trying to interpret and understand my own dreams better. I've actually started Billy is a dreamer just like me. And I've actually started working with Billy on dreams as well. And it's, fascinating and we've actually had these really cool experiences together but um it's you know dreams in their truest essence are just our higher consciousness our guides and our spirits up in the realms just downloading all this information to us because it's when we're sleeping we're just so quiet and we can tap into this other realm and they're giving us these messages to basically um how to you know 
upgrade ourselves, learn the messages that we're here to reincarnate and learn about. Dreams are rad. I can talk all day about dreams. I am so into it. I am a big dreamer. It shocks me when people are like, I don't dream. I don't remember my dream. I'm like, what? I'm going on these insane journeys almost nightly, sometimes multiple dreams. And they are messages and they they do provide us so much insight. I think it's really beautiful how you see them as messages from a, a higher realm. Yeah, I love it. I think dreams are fascinating. And my family is the same, like my mom and my grandparents, like big, big dreamers. Like yeah. dreams are huge for us. Definitely keep a dream journal because I'll have dreams and then a month later something will happen and I'll go back and like, wait a minute. And I read about it. It's like, oh, holy shit, this happened in my dream. I know what this is. And you know, the guides will show you things that are about to happen as well. And so there's been so many, I'm getting like goosebumps because there's been so many times that I've dreamt about something that will happen a month later. And then I'm in the moment and I'm like, wait, I know exactly how to handle this because I had this dream and it just unfurls exactly how my dream does. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is so cool. Uh, Yeah. I need to keep a journal. I feel like the dreams they leave so fast from my brain, but the ones that I do write down, that I am able to go back to. I usually just throw them into my notes app. But like, I know for a fact, I met my husband in college uh, like 11 or 12 years ago. I know for a fact I randomly had a dream of him and I in this big open loft apartment with brick walls and beams. And then we ended up living in LA in a loft with brick walls and beams. And I would just have these little moments where I'm like, this is the place from the dream. Like uh-huh. th- I've dr- I've been in this place, but writing it down, you're right, is so important. Totally. I mean, my son, before I even knew, I never found out the gender for any of my births. They were just a surprise when I had them. Like, oh, it's a girl. Um, but for my son, before I knew, I knew he was a boy. Like he was like the most spiritual pregnancy I've ever had. He came to me in his dream, in my dreams, and he gave me his. He told me his name was Woven. He was a 95 year old man. And he told me his name was Woven. And then he took me on all these journeys of our past lives together and why we're together in this life now. Um, And his middle name is Woven. But um, yeah, dreams are really incredible. Wow. I, I love that. Okay. So I will wrap this up soon, but I just love to end the podcast with a couple things. So first is rapid fire questions. These are just questions that you don't really need to think about. Um, They're just kind of fun. So the first one is what is the most quote unquote hippie thing that you do? Oh my gosh. I never wear shoes anywhere. Like I'll be in town, no shoes. My kids, no shoes. Everyone looks at us like we're dirty little hill kids. I'm like, yep, we don't wear shoes. I absolutely love that. I don't either. I mean, I I don't go into town without my shoes on, but I will never learn. I keep going out to check on my tomatoes without shoes and I step on thorns every time. And every time I just come back in and like pull them out. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Why won't I wear shoes? I just yeah. don't like to. <laughs> oh, and we also will just like find a tree and pee in it, you know, and I'm like, we'll like be in town getting groceries and Maybell's like in the corner peeing in a tree. I was like, whoa, okay, we're in the city, but you know, we're still feral, so <laughs> Okay, next question is the opposite. What is the least hippie thing that you do? Least hip- I have a planner that I keep. I don't know. that. I feel like that's pretty big girl, like college stuff, you know. <laughs> I have a planner that I write everything down in and I'm very organized. Um, what is your favorite thing to do on a rainy or a snowy day when you're trapped inside? Ooh, um, I would say so. But when it's raining or snowing, we don't have power for our... Um, because we're off the grid, so we have solar panels. So we don't have enough power from our sewing machine. So usually I do embroidery. That's like my favorite rainy day, no power activity is embroidery. Ooh, by hand. Mm-hmm. I would love to learn that, and I really want to learn to sew. Yeah, Just I know. Note. Very amazing. Um, do you drink tea or coffee? Oof, girl, I'm coffee all day long, except I have some rose and Tulsi and um, lemon balm right here with me right now. But I am just like coffee. I need it all day long. Yes, all the beverages. We just launched a coffee company. I'm going to send you a bag. Ooh, um, okay. We'll talk about it after. Um, if you could live in another country, would you and where would it be? 
Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I've always felt this draw. I mean, my father's side is super Swedish. He's like 95% Swedish. And I feel that now as I get older, I just have this like draw and connection towards that side of my family. Um, And so I've kind of always wanted to go to Sweden or the Netherlands or that area of Europe. I just feel this draw. But then I also am like, wait, but Mexico's fun. And I love tropics and I love to swim in the warm water. So, but no, I think I would totally want to be like a Viking in Sweden or something. I could see you thriving there and it's so beautiful there. Um, What would you name this era of your life? I joke around and say it's my camo girl era because I have this like camo thing going on right now. But um, yeah, no, I grew up surfing. I grew up on the beach. So I've always said this is like the mountains. This is my mountain era of life. Love it. And last question, what is the latest book or podcast that lit you up? Um, I've been reading a lot of Isabella Donde, but right now I'm reading this book called The Book of Longings. And um, it's about Jesus's wife, which I don't think is real. I think it's historical fiction, but it's really good. Um, but actually, I have to say, Hester, it's... Um, I forget the author's name, but the book is called Hester and it's about this witch who embroiders and she's from Ireland. And it's so, I literally read it in like three or four days. It's so good. Okay. That book is amazing. My mom was obsessed with it. And so I read it and it is awesome. I know. I'm like, I fully have a crush on, is it Nathaniel? Yeah. 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 I'm like, ooh. Nathaniel Hawthorne. Really need to know what he looks like in real life. Um, So that book for sure. And then podcasts. Um, I love history so much. Um, so I just listened to, um, I would have to say Noble Blood is my favorite podcast. It's about um, just royal families throughout t- the history of time. And um, yeah, I would say just every episode that comes out, just I eat it all up. I love it. Oh, cool. I've never heard of that podcast. I'm totally going to look into the other books you were talking about. I love historical fiction. I don't know if you've read any Barbara Wood books, but like she was my introduction to historical fiction. Ooh, I totally haven't. obsessed. Yeah. Oh, to look into Daughter that. of the Sun is a historical fiction about Chaco Canyon down in New Mexico about okay. maybe what happened with the tribes there. And then this other book I really love is called The Blessing Stone. And it's Ooh. about a stone that like the very first people on earth like found and then how it was passed through di- different uh, civilizations and centuries and yeah that one's really fun Ooh, and that's like, a good segue yeah, I need to write this down <laughs> these are good the way that I close my podcast is uh, I bring a crystal into the room that reminds me of the person I'm talking to or kind of the conversation we're having so do you work with stones or crystals are you drawn to them in any way mm, I am and I feel like uh, lately I call it, I, what I like to say is I, um, the call of the forest. So if I'm on a walk, because we're off, um, you know, up in the mountains rurally, and sometimes I get this ping to take a walk because it's the call of the forest. And we live in the area that we live in. It was an, um, the only road for so, it was the first road built in the early 1800s that connected Mendocino and Humboldt. And like literally right where we live was like a trading hub for the tribes, the local tribes in the area. So um, I feel like lately, or ever since, ever since I've lived up there, I find shards of arrowheads all the time. I find little like grinding stones. Um, I'll find um, like hide tanning tools. So I feel like those are the stones that I'm feeling connected and drawn towards lately. Um, more so than, you know, like um, amethyst or stuff like that. I just, the natural stones of the, um, the land that I live on really draw me in these days. Oh, that is so beautiful. I love that. I would, I would like be amazed to find an arrowhead or some sort of tool. I've mined obsidian up in Oregon and yeah, it's, it's so neat that like this natural thing is the sharpest thing on earth. Like it's sharper than like surgical knives. It's so cool. Okay. Well, the stone that I picked for you, um, mainly just has to do with 
uh, you being such an inspiration with being a mother. So I picked Moonstone. It is said to be like that connection to intuition and inner knowing. Also a lot with dream work as well. I'm sure you know what Moonstone looks like, but I have a few pieces with me. But it's just such a magical stone too, because I feel like most pieces have both obviously like the white that shows the rainbow but then also like dark mixed in with it and then the in-between is like the rainbow and like getting in touch with that intuition because I do think a lot of mothering how how you said in the beginning like you're so rural that you were in a quiet place to kind of tap into that intuition but so much of that is like an inner knowing Mm -hmm. of like what's inside of us of how to care for care for the baby so that's the stone I picked for you beautiful thank you thank you Courtney so much for taking the time to chat with me and to share the way that you live your life the way that you parent and what you guys do it was really inspiring and I'm just so grateful oh thanks for having me on I've had a lot of fun doing this and um yeah it'd be great thank you If you guys want to follow along, uh, like I said, Courtney's Instagram handle is at in the tall, tall grass. You can find it below in the show notes too. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with Moon Body Soul. Be sure to follow if you don't want to miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and a rating. And if you want to email over any special guests or topic suggestions, email hello at moonbodysoul.com.